Repot It is presented by Rerouted. Rerouted is an online marketplace where you can buy, sell, or donate your used outdoor gear. If you have gear that's collecting dust in your closet or not being used anymore, please consider selling or donating it on rerouted.co. That's R-E-R-O-U-T-E-D dot C-O. Now, on to the Repot It podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Gear Stories compilation episode. On this episode, we're going to hear from myself, Brian. I shared a story about a week and a half ago on our Gear Stories. We'll hear from Chris Wilsey, rerouted VP of Finance and Strategy. We'll also hear from Cyrus Faramarzi, good friend of mine. He talked to us about some surfboards that he loved. And we'll also hear from the Hardway Home crew and some kind of ingenious efforts that they took on the boat the first time that they set sail. If you'd like to listen to any of those full episodes, you can hear interviews with all of those people on our Repod It feed. Thanks everyone for listening and I hope you guys have an awesome day. I'm trying to think. I feel like, I don't know if it was my favorite piece of gear, but I think one of my most useful pieces of gear on that trip, um, I think that might have been the first trip that I wore liner socks. Because mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing your brother and Kit picking up some liner socks. Kit might have had them. I don't remember. Your brother definitely. We made a big, you know, a big REI trip to go to go gear up for this stuff. Um, unfortunately, rerouted wasn't around then, so we couldn't go order some stuff from there instead. But um, you know, we we geared up at REI, and I remember seeing the your brother kind of picking out these really thin socks and thinking like, well, those aren't going to offer you much inside your boot. But the idea was you wore them on the inside of your wool sock so that you didn't rub and get blisters. It was like a rub, a rub reduction thing. And I think your brother always got pretty bad blisters. If he wasn't like taping up his heel and, you know, he was also a baby about his blisters. His blisters <laughs> were always like decently bad, but like we've all had bad blisters. He was a huge yeah. baby about them though. Had to make sure that they were all taken care of. Of course. Of and course. As comfortable so as possible. Yeah, which to be fair though, like I said, I think it was probably my use, my most useful piece of gear um, that that trip because it was my first time using them, and like I don't think I got a single blister, even though, you know, I don't know if I was breaking in new boots, but like my boots definitely got the most wear on those trips. That's kind of why we had them around most of the time. I just kind of would hike in a a sturdy pair of sneakers or something, unless you know, because we weren't doing anything multi-day like that with big heavy packs um and so my boots weren't always you know constantly broken in so i remember getting those liner socks and whenever i've done a a a backpacking trip after that always always made sure that i had a couple sets of liner socks i still still think i have those actually so very nice tip liner socks that's the move liner socks and uh and a couple of backpacks that you have 10 different kids use for several years. Breaks them in nice and easy. My first actual board, I got to give a shout out to Degree 33 Surfboards. Um, They're out here in California, or in San Diego, I should say, I think in Carlsbad. Um, I saw kind of what their material was on 
um, the board. I think it was somewhat of like, if I remember correctly, it was more of like a hardened sort of less fiberglass vibe, I guess, or just feel and more of like a hardened sort of surface that even though, you know, you don't want to ding a hard top for sure, you know, when you're investing in your first, you know, non foam board, um, the material felt like, you know, you want to be delicate with it, but it could almost take a little bit of a beating, at least on the front of it too, when you're thinking about all the UV exposure when you're out there. Uh, so my first board, like real board was a degree 33, just eight foot egg. I just wanted to get out there basically and continue my version of what I thought was really fun surfing, which is just riding, you know, intermediate waves, just kind of having fun and getting as many, catching as many waves as possible on a longboard. Typically, it's easier to do so until you hit a you know, large surf, which I am in no way um, <laughs> qualified to say I ride right now. I'm still considered a kook in my book. And one cool <laughs> thing, at least to know, though, was that, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a learning process. There is no destination with this. With surfing, I think it's you just got to go out there and it's basically like an evolving process. It's new age or kind of, you know, Southern California as that sounds, it's really, you know, the embodiment of what the, the, the activity kind of is, which I was super stoked on, but I got to give a shout out to degree 33 and yeah, that board, that board's still a really fun uh, favorite of mine. All right. So you talked about that degree 33, was it, was your first board? Yeah. And would you say, would you say that's your favorite board that you have or is, or do you have another one that, uh, that you love? Yeah, between degree 33, I think, and then I also just have a nine foot foamy uh, Odyssey uh, board. They're from a company called Cat Surf in uh, Encinitas um, in San Diego, but um, they, I think, specialize in a lot of like fun boards, mainly just for like they have short boards that are foam. I think it's, I think mainly the whole line is foam, but um, definitely like when you're looking for just a really fun day and you just want to catch everything and it's still nice to get out there and, you know, kind of have a less or i should say a more forgiving sort of surface on a foamy yeah uh catch surfs odyssey boards are really fun but yeah degree 33 at least for a, a stable uh hard top is still yeah gonna be my go-to when we uh you know get back into it hopefully uh yeah when winter starts picking up a little bit Well, I, I think let's just let's just get into yeah. that. So you guys have already pushed off once and had to and had to return. If I'm if I'm understanding that correctly, so what what happened in that situation? So Chris, you want to talk about pushing off there? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got our weather window out of New York City. We left from Far Rockaway, rode out into the harbor, and then down into the Atlantic proper. Um, the first day was was pretty good. We battled a little bit just to get out into New York Harbor and make the turn out into the Atlantic proper. Um, we ended up doing like one hour on, maybe one hour off, uh, but we got it done. And day one was a huge success for us. Uh, we had winds at our back for the, for the nighttime and uh, we were able to make some good progress. Day two is kind of a similar thing. We were battling with seasickness a bit. At least I was battling with seasickness a bit. All of us were to start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of us for sure, those first few days were um, feeling it. And uh, yeah, and then day three came along and that's when things got a little, a, a little interesting. So um, I'm out on deck and uh, I think Ray and I were both out on deck and Ryan was rowing, but I could be mistaken. Anyway, I open up the middle compartment, uh, the middle hatch, and that 
accesses all of the underside of the boat, which is where we do our food storage and where our ballast is, things like that. So I open up this hatch. I look into it. I look up at Ray. And uh, in as calm a demeanor as I could, I ask, Ray, is there supposed to be this much water in this hatch? Ray turns back to me. <laughs> and he goes, no, Chris. <laughs> There's not supposed to be this much water in this hatch. Oh, my God. What turns out has happened is that we have flooded underside of the boat and are in... In layman's terms, sinking. <laughs> and uh, so not the type of thing where the boat would actually go down. However, right. it wasn't great. No, carrying a lot of extra weight. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of extra weight. I was wondering why I was not going as fast because I was pulling on those oars very hard and going very slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did that, how, how did that happen? What? So you flooded it, but, but how? So it turns out that there was a hole cut in the bottom of the boat to allow access to the centerboard, which swings up and down. Um, not a problem during our training rows when we weren't fully loaded down. The boat kind of sits really high on the water. Right. So the water isn't flooding up through the hole into the compartment as much. And yeah, easy to bilge out, whatever, not an issue. Right. When we loaded it up with all of our stuff, which was too much stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into as well, uh, we uh, pulled the boat down a bit into the water. Water started to splash up through that hole in the centerboard compartment, which weighed down the, that part of the hatch a bit, which pulled the boat lower, which allowed more water to come in through the hole and pull us lower again and on and on. Uh, and so we kind of knew what was going on pretty quickly. And that's when we got to fixing it. So, um, Ryan, all right, you want to take over the uh, plugging it with your thumb story? Wait, oh my gosh. Well, I just got to say, that's like when a doctor says, uh-oh, right? It's literally, <laughs> you don't ever want on a boat, on a, on a seafaring adventure to say, is there supposed to be water here? That's just like the worst case scenario. So who, who plugged <laughs> it up? Which one of you guys plugged it up? Uh, I mean, it's it wasn't crisis crisis issue. No, I mean, it definitely wasn't great, uh, and it took a bit of so essentially like the bilge wouldn't work because the water level is too low. So we pushed out the water; the water's just filling back in. Um, so essentially, what we did was plug the gap, get the water out, and then try and patch the hole. Now the problem was there's so much pressure on that hole from the ocean that even like epoxy like very hard glue like a hard patch on it 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 didn't work with the amount of just the pressure is just immense of the whole ocean pushing this board up um so what we ended up fixing it with was we have a hammer that holds the center board down and then we fixed it with four rags which if you get a bigger rag and shove smaller rags into it then we pulled it back up can hold practically any amount of force and it actually holds the whole piece in place. Um, and it was funny when we came in and we've been in, in for repairs where you try and are like, oh, we'll have to fix that properly, you know? And you spec out what fixing that would look like without totally rehauling that whole casing 
because the reason the hole was in it in the first place was is that the original didn't really work as well as they wanted so they had to put the hole in to control the centerboard which we still need a hole for um so once we spec it all out it kind of looked like a hammer <laughs> you were like we need something that looks like a hammer and we're going to need something that looks like four rags well it's already in there so uh, <laughs> moving on to the next problem yeah 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 Hello everyone and welcome to Gear Stories. This is Brian Shoning. We're going to do things just a little bit differently today because this is just going to be one of my favorite gear stories and I'm going to talk about one of my favorite pieces of gear. Back in 2013, my mom and brother and sister gave me a an, Aether, an Osprey Aether 85 pack. I had never had kind of a, a grown-up backpack. I had been using hand-me-downs and, and kid packs my entire life out in the outdoors. And they gave this to me because my dad and I were planning on going on a long 100-mile hike on the PCT. Great trip. We had a phenomenal time. Unfortunately, we didn't get the whole 100 miles that year. Um, I actually sustained an injury during uh, one of the legs of that trip. So uh, that's actually a story for another day. But I wanted to talk about this pack that my parents uh, and my family got me. It was this beautiful blue Aether 85 pack that had plenty of room and was super comfortable for all of the right reasons, everything that I needed in a pack. Well, after this trip, I left back for college, left my backpacking backpack at home, and I find out about six or eight months later that my dad has stolen this backpack and had been using it on all of, uh, all of the hiking and camping and hunting trips that, that he had been on. I started talking to my mom and I said, mom, what are we, you know, what are we going to do? I, you know, I can't really afford to go out and just buy myself another pack. And, and she said, don't worry about it. Um, you know, my dad had, had not bought himself a new pack for decades. I think he was still using a metal frame Kelty pack on that hundred mile trip that we, that we embarked on in 2013. So my mom goes ahead and, and just lets my dad keep keep that backpack and, and gets me another one, a gray Aether 88, which is the backpack that I have now. Uh, and my dad and I are, are somewhat of twins because we, uh, we have a nice, a nice story linking our two packs together. That's my gear story for today. Hope everyone enjoyed. Hope everyone is having a wonderful start to their week. And if you guys need a nice pack, check out Osprey. They they make awesome packs. I, uh, from experience, can can say that they have been awesome in the outdoors for me uh, and my family. Thanks to everyone for listening, and I hope you guys have an awesome day. <laughs>